going on, Ride the Way Nation? Jake Seymour here with Caden Bonnet for another episode of Football on the Barbie. Today's episode, we have special guest Hakeem Vallis. Hakeem, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Jake, Caden, really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thank you for, for coming, coming on. on. For those of you guys that don't know Hakeem, three-year NFL vet, you know, very successful uh, in the NFL, you know, had his cup of tea in the NFL. And then not only that, he takes the stuff he does in the NFL and put it on TikTok. He's accumulated over 231,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, Hakeem, it's a pleasure having you on. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate the uh, the intro. It means the world. Oh, of course. So, obviously, the big game, as time recording, this was just uh, a couple days ago on Sunday. Uh, what are your thoughts on Super Bowl 55? Uh, <laughs> my thoughts on the Super Bowl is I was right. Um, <laughs> go back to my content from a month ago on TikTok. I said that the Bucks were going to make a run. I believe that winners win, and Tom Brady proved that. Um, I did think it was going to be a closer game, um, but it was cool to just kind of see just a, you know, just an all-around uh, good old classic ass whooping, which was nice to see. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was. I, I most people didn't like the game because it was boring in their eyes. I thought it was a great game. Do you think the GOAT debate is over now that Tom whooped, whooped Mahomes' ass or what, what? GOAT debate in the sense of across all sports or? In- Just in football, if they, if because they had Mahomes being baby GOAT, he's going to come up. Do you think, do you oh, think Tom yeah. Brady can be touched? That's completely solidified. I mean, it was solidified beforehand. You know, the stat, you know, Brady won his first Super Bowl and Mahomes was six. You know, take a back seat for a little bit, young fella, and uh, <laughs> respect your elders. Yeah, that's a, that's like the hottest topic right now is Brady and Mahomes go battle after this game. Uh, but I thought it was a good game too. I like the defense on the Buccaneers part as well. That was that was an amazing performance. Probably the best you've seen against Mahomes. A hundred percent. I thought you know if it wasn't for Tom Brady, you got to give him the MVP. But I thought Devin White was the MVP of that game. Yeah, great game all around on that Buccaneers team. Uh, but moving on from the Super Bowl, let's touch on you know you as a player. So you you know you come out of the come out of college. Uh, you you're at a small college. Take me through that. What was it like going to, you know, obviously there's these big D1 schools, the ASUs, Ohio's, Alabama's. Like, what was it like going to a smaller college? Uh, you know, people don't believe in you, respect you at first, and you naturally got to have that, that chip on your shoulder. Um, you know, my, my stadium size in college at Monmouth University was we fit, fit like 6,000 people in our stadium. So it's obviously a bigger difference, brighter lights, a bigger stage. Um, but it's just, you know, natural having that chip on my shoulder, um, kind of carried that attitude, uh, all the way throughout the league and let that motivate me. You came in as an, um, undrafted free agent and you chose to go to Arizona. What, what played into that decision for you? Yeah. So about a week before the draft, uh, the Cardinals, uh, like assistant GM, flew out to my school and worked me out and it was an unreal workout. Uh, they didn't come to my pro day. didn't really, wasn't on my, we weren't even on my radar until like the week before the draft. And we just had an old, like an awesome workout. My agent and the guy who threw to me, who's like a, he's a pretty esteemed quarterback coach. Uh, and him like had some really great rapport and Arizona just seemed like it was going to be the ultimate opportunity. And just like with the roster situation with where they saw how it would fit in. And as you went through the whole draft, you know, they pretty much told me they were going to take me either in the seventh round or they were going to take me undrafted 
and they called me. I, I was either sixth, sixth or seventh round, but they called me, and like in that sixth or seventh round, I'm like, holy shit, I'm about to get drafted. Um, but they were calling me to let me know that they were going to go defense, and that they still want me as an undrafted free agent, just hang on tight. And obviously you got to take everything on draft day with a grain of salt. You don't know what's real, what's not. Um, so they went defense. Uh, they, they drafted my guy, Harlan Miller. And then uh, the Redskins had called my agent and were considering drafting me in the seventh round. And, or the football team were considering drafting me in the seventh round. And uh, my agent essentially was like they just paid Jordan Reed like a ridiculous amount of money at that time and he was pretty much saying like they, it seems like they might just want you to be like a camp body you know so we're going to kind of uh not go too crazy about this and so I was I was pretty happy when they didn't draft me because I was like still I wanted I wanted to go to Arizona I saw like that was like the best opportunity and honestly the other team that was like high on my radar funny enough they just won a Super Bowl was the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, I had dinner with their tight end coach the night before the, the my pro day, um, the uh, Bucks tight end coach ran my pro day, like the whole like the position part of the workout. Um, essentially, they told me they were getting rid of the H back position back then in 2016, and that you know we want you whether you're on the practice squad or whether you're on the roster. Like if you go with us, undrafted or drafted, like you're gonna you're going to be there in September. So I was like, man, this is an exciting opportunity. It sounds like a place for like serious job security. Um, and of course, draft time came around, they wind up drafting a fullback, like the position they said they were gonna get rid of. Um, and I was just like, oh, they're full of shit. And I was like, I think that was, they might, they, they took him in like the third or fourth round. So I just knew they were off the board, but that that was like a gut punch on draft day. Cause I'm just like, damn, I don't know what to believe from some of these people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that you say that because we just had John Cena on a couple uh, days ago. And one of the things I, I noticed from him that he was talking about is that the reason why he chose Elon University was that, you know, the coaches weren't, uh, you know, straight up with them. They were honest with them. And it's funny to see that even in the NFL, um, I guess, obviously, like, I knew it was there, but I didn't realize until after you said it, like, yes, it's just like college. I think I'll say your guy, you know, you're our guy and then kind of move on. That's, you know, it's very interesting to hear. But it is hard, though, from a coach's perspective, because there's a massive separation of church and state, meaning downstairs and upstairs, coaches and players versus front office GM, massive disconnect. So maybe he was at that dinner in his best interest, you know, you know, blowing a whole bunch of smoke up my ass, but in his best interest, really thought that I was going to be their guy. Um, But if upstairs decides something else, then they get the they're the ultimate judge and jury with everything so it's an interesting separation of uh church and state in the nfl yeah it's definitely interesting uh yeah so you head to arizona and you know you have your cup of tea there and then you move over to detroit and detroit this is something that really sparked my interest when i was listening to because you had the you had the privilege of playing alongside matthew stafford uh matthew stafford is a great quarterback and it was just got traded so obviously he spent his time you know in detroit trying to get that team to the place where he wanted to be and unfortunately just couldn't do it in your opinion what do you think you know was that the right move to get out of detroit or do you think you know it's kind of too little too late you know what are your thoughts on this for stafford is it too little too late no dude's a dude's a legend he you know he's well broken back still played some of his best football in his career um i think it's good for him um it's never a pretty situation you know when a franchise player leaves that city 
uh, does sound like I was just reading the report the other I think actually today I was reading it um, that it was a healthy conversation with uh, Rob Wood and uh, Sheila Fordhamp um, in terms of what his future essentially was going to look like um, and it sounds like they kind of came to a mutual agreement I think yeah probably wouldn't have been the best for him to be around for another complete rebuild would it be best for Detroit? 150%. Any team that has him as a quarterback is going to, like, that's going to be an asset. Like, no, in no way, shape, or form is he a liability or even a reason for the ultimate downfall of the Detroit, you know, Lions football uh, franchise, franchise in that sense. Um, and not to say it's a, you know, failed franchise, but because, you know, one liners and hot takes and podcasts, you get your ass roasted for that. Um, but I, I do think that, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a bright future for him in LA. Like I said, any team that has Stafford immediately, their Super Bowl odds go up instantly once he's added to the roster. Cause dude's a, he's a, he's an X factor, difference maker, playmaker. Perfect. Um, do you, do you, um, want to make a return to the league after, you know, you said you had your daughter and took, took some time off there. Obviously, you've grown your um, business as an entrepreneur and you've uh, blown up on TikTok. Do you want to kind of go continue down that path or would you like to make a return? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm working on a return uh, to the league um, while trying to keep my businesses going. Uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, Got to work on the discipline side even more, just trying to keep everything, trying to keep a healthy balance of everything from business, putting out fires in business to maintaining a healthy diet, to maintaining a consistent workout regimen, which isn't the easiest thing in the world because you kind of got to put out fires as the fires come about. Um, but yeah, I'm working to come back. Do you have a trainer and a nutritionist or you do this all yourself? I have a virtual trainer. My my former college teammate, Matthew Choi, he's on TikTok too. He's, he's, he's got over 100,000 followers, a former D1 receiver at Monmouth University. Um, but he kind of he kind of uh, gives me my my workouts virtually, and then my mom actually uh, helps me on the meal prep side of things uh, from the nutrition side of things. Yeah, it's funny the mom thing. It's funny because a lot of athletes now, especially with COVID, and that's gonna be my next question. Is that a lot of the athletes' uh, families you kind of hear stories uh, now about helping them out? Um, is that someone that? you know, with a bunch of other players you play with, is that something that like always happens and we're just hearing about it now because everyone's like, you know, so stuck in quarantine or has it been something that has really ramped up, um, you know, for not only you personally, but maybe other people that you talk to, are you, you know, your family's really helping you with nutrition, training, kind of keep you on that same path. Oh yeah. I mean, I think a lot of players have their families. It, it depends on what, what stage you are as, you know, from the NFL standpoint, like as a man, you know, depending, like I'm a single dad. So, I get a lot of help from my family. You know, my parents are actually in town this week, drove in from New Jersey uh, for the week to kind of help on the meal side, help with my daughter's side, um, and help kind of all around. Uh, from a player's perspective, like I said, it really depends. You know, there's players who are you know, five, six kids and a wife and, you know, got the white picket fence and all that type of stuff. So, yes, I'm sure their parents are still helping in that sense, but they, they, have, they obviously uh, have a full family to attend to as well. 
yeah, it's just something interesting I've seen kind of with, you know, COVID and, you know, kind of a lot of seeing a lot of athletes at home now too as well. But speaking of uh, COVID, I want to get, so you saying you want to try and make a comeback. What has that been like with COVID? Because obviously, you know, you play in the NFL and, you know, football in general pre-COVID. So what is that like? Like what challenges have COVID, you know, faced you? Yeah, it's been hard. You know, outside of COVID, teams usually bring in like 50 to 75 guys a week uh, to get an update on where they are physically. Uh, some teams have them run a 40, some do an indie, some do all the pro day drills, you know, from pro agility to L drill to all that type of stuff. But because of COVID now, those same 50 to 75 players have, br- have brought, been brought down to six. Teams are only allowed to bring in six guys a week and they have to be quarantined for up to two weeks before that workout. Um, so I'm not necessarily at the top of those lists to be brought in for some of these teams, but not the, I, I haven't been able to get in for a workout yet. So I'm hoping with this next uh, season coming up, um, those rules get loosened up a little bit and I'm still in the 28. So I've got a lot of time left. Yeah, you have time. What about like challenges for you personally? Not so much as like trying to get no, you know, recognition from teams and going to teams for workouts, but like, what about you like training daily? Is that something like finding field time, you know, stuff like that? Oh, no, I just, I'll just pull up to whatever school's got a field there. You know, obviously a little bit harder on the gym side, kind of do a lot of body work stuff. Or one of my buddies has a, a gym in his uh, garage, uh, not garage, his basement. Um, you know, the isolation isn't the easiest thing, but also running a, a business that can be run from anywhere definitely helps because I spend most of my time just right in my home office or, you know, at the coffee shop across the street. How has um, TikTok helped you grow as a business owner and get your um kind of social platform a little little more off the ground uh yeah tiktok has helped in a massive way you know when i retired from the nfl i only had six thousand followers on instagram and so it's pretty much only six thousand people who really really knew me outside of my linkedin audience and maybe my facebook audience which doesn't have more than five thousand people um i mean how's how it's helped is you know now i have an audience you know uh uh a community of over 200,000 people who like to hear what I have to say. Um, it's allowed me to have now the social proof um, for what I do as a business, which is TikTok consulting for different brands that I know what I'm doing. So it kind of gives me that, oh yeah, I'd love to help you with your TikTok. My TikTok is at XYZ. Um, from uh, a business standpoint, you know, yeah, that's really what, that's really probably the biggest thing is the, the social proof that I know exactly what I'm doing and I get the collective feedback at scale from my audience of what's working and what's not working on the platform. Yeah. One of the things that I think is, you know, find interesting about your uh, TikTok is that it's cool seeing it from someone that's already been in the league and it was played division one football. Um, Cause there's one thing, I mean, you know, I love talking football, love talking sports. Kane is the same way, but it's one thing to listen to two guys who will never play in the NFL talk about the NFL, and it's a completely different thing to listen to a former player uh, talk about it. And that's one thing I've taken away from your TikTok is that, you know, you don't hide from the truth, you don't stray from the truth, you just tell it how it is. That's something that I find very interesting about your content. That's real. Yeah, I have an unemotional approach because the only the only team I get emotional about is the Eagles, but I don't tend to put out much content about them because. I'm not practical. I'm not logical when I talk about the Eagles and it's more overly emotional. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I try and tell it like it is. I try not to bash any players in that sense because, you know, those are my colleagues and future former, you know, form uh, and potential future colleagues as well. Um, so I try and, you know, 
kind of just give a practical viewpoint uh, and demonstrate my subject matter expertise on football. What is your opinion on, um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but how kind of in the NFL, you got guys like Tom Brady who, and all the Patriots players pretty much that how they're kind of, you know, sheltered a little bit and don't really speak their mind. Um, what, what's your opinion on that? Because obviously TikTok, you have a free platform and you can just be very honest and you are. So what do you think about that? Uh, you know, I feel that Tom Brady's not the best example because he does more or less speak his mind in his own way, shape or form with his tweet he does after every game with his outspoken political views in a sense. Um, but other players, I think it comes with a level of insecurity. Uh, it comes with a level of overstimulation because once they get out there, put themselves out there, talk, the inbound influx of comments, asks, people wanting things from those players can get overwhelming in a sense. So they'd rather just stay sheltered because as soon as they put out their first piece of content, a whole bunch of asks start to come in. And then they're considered a dick by their fans when they don't get back to all of those asks in a sense. So they just rather just stay sheltered in that sense. One man's opinion, I think they're missing out on massive opportunities. They're missing out on opportunity to create legacy, opportunity to create content, opportunity to expand their digital footprint and pretty much buy the free digital real estate that exists that's ultimately amplified while they're playing because that that opportunity to get that land grab of attention is only going to dramatically reduce or decrease once they get done playing. You think it's easier in a sense, you know, not playing currently and being able to talk about it versus being in the league and talking about it? Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier yeah. because when I was playing, you know, depending on who you are and what level you're at, you have in the back of your mind of, damn, if I talk too much, you know, take Juju Smith-Schuster. He's getting crucified right now for yeah. his TikTok content. I think it's stupid that people crucify him, um, mainly because it's – how do I explain? He's always been that person, though. You know, USC, he was doing the same thing when it comes to content and dancing and all that type of stuff. But the thing about pro sports, entertainment, and the way fans work is – you have to produce at the end of the day and people will forget about things like that. Like James Harden, you know, hold strip clubs, escapades and all that type of stuff, but played good enough. People don't really care about it. Tom Brady, make America great again, hat, all that type of stuff. And today's political climate, you know, people crucify, but he plays good enough for people to not give a fuck about it. Honestly, ultimately at the end of the day. Um, and I feel like players, uh, like while you're playing, you don't want to put yourself in that light because it, you ultimately become vulnerable for people to attack you if you don't produce well because fans can't disconnect the fact that these athletes are also humans off the field, which is why most players stray away from it. I think those players will benefit massively if they did double down and on whatever they were passionate about, you know, from a, a content perspective. Um, but it's hard. Obviously, easy for me to say, it's easy for me to create content while I'm not playing, but it's, it's hard to see it when you're in the shit, that content is what's going to also, also take you to the next level. That makes sense. You've right. seen what content can do for you, obviously, like you said, with your, your business and everything. If you made a return to the league, do you think you would continue TikTok? I would probably triple it. 
or probably 10 exit. And I would probably take the Gary Vee approach and pay someone full time to be around me with a camera at all times. Cause I would like, it would make more sense from a budgeting standpoint to do something mm -hmm. like that. If I was bringing in an NFL income, like if I could go back and do it all again, every single second, every minute of the day. And besides actually every second would be documented. And then I'd be the judge and jury of what goes out and what doesn't. Yeah. It, it's definitely very interesting from a fan perspective. I mean, just seeing this stuff, cause obviously, you know, we only see, what, what's put out there and, and the social media is kind of giving us another uh, look at stuff, which is cool. Staying on that too. I mean, you haven't seen it in the college a lot too. A lot of, you know, college players are also doing that. And, you know, the guy that comes to mind, Michael Pittman, uh, you know, receiver for the Colts, you know, he blocks his whole thing. And that's something like, I, you know, you kind of seem to understand it too. Uh, you know, as a fan, that's really cool to see, but staying on this whole TikTok uh, path, why TikTok, you know, out of all the social media platforms today, obviously Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, the big three, um, you know, you, you, you use TikTok. Why TikTok? It's a great question. Uh, why TikTok? Um, when you think of these social platforms, you, you ultimately have to ask yourself is where's the most underpriced attention? Where am I going to get the best bang for my buck? And we're talking price, we're talking time in this sense how am I going to get the most exposure on my content um, with putting in the least amount of reps? Or when, you, when you're thinking of platforms and organic reach, TikTok compared to every other platform besides LinkedIn has it. You know, you audit your closest 10 friends. Most of them are on TikTok, but most of them don't post on TikTok. And if they do post on TikTok, it's a joke to them. And like, I'm, I'm not serious with the content I put out on TikTok. You hear it all the time. And then you take it, like, that's your age group. You, take it, you keep taking it to higher age groups. It's the same thing. Like, most college kids, it's corny to take TikTok serious. People my age, same exact thing. Most of them are on it. They're consumed. My dad consumes TikTok, but he doesn't post anything. So when you think of organic reach, TikTok has millions of millions of eyes on the platform, but not many people creating content for those eyes. And the only way how every single consumer on TikTok has an infinite for you page is the fact that you could post your first piece of content today and by the end of the week be at 20,000 followers. And like TikTok is the only platform besides a LinkedIn that offers an opportunity like that. How long did it take you to take off on TikTok? It's a great question. So my first six months I didn't really do much. Just took some of my best videos from IG and just put it on TikTok and they, most of them just flopped. And then June 1st of 2020, um, 30 day progression. So started June 1st with 55 followers. Uh, within that first week, went from 55 followers to 22,000. Uh, within that first month, I was at 82,000. And within six weeks, I was at 100,000. Nice, nice. Those are yeah, insane numbers. I say that though to say, because it wasn't like, Oh, he's a pro athlete. The next day, he was at a hundred, like that many. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. the case. Like literally, yeah. six months of just like actually posting and nothing happening. It wasn't until I took you know five to ten hours only consumed content within my niche to understand the contextual nuances of how to post and post reduced content for TikTok. So I don't know if you've heard about this new app. I I I'm actually in a marketing class right now, and they were talking about it. And I saw AJ Dillon, uh, Green Bay running back, signed up for it. It's it's called the Clubhouse or whatever. Do you? Oh yeah. Do, Clubhouse. Do you? Is, yeah. Do you? Would you stick to TikTok, or are you, are you gonna kind of expand a little bit, or do you think it's best for you to stick to one platform? I mean, I already have 1,100 followers on Clubhouse. Oh, okay. Uh, when, yeah, it's a. 
you have to be a practitioner of where the attention is and where the opportunity is. Like Clubhouse is the only platform where you can serendipitously why I was talking to Mark Sanchez three days ago in a clubhouse room and I like I don't know any other like back to I'm an Eagles I'm a diehard Eagles fan. Like Mike Mark Sanchez had a cup of coffee on the on the Eagles, but he was an Eagle. So like I was shitting my pants like having a combo with him. Um Dana White was in a room like listening in on us talking. I don't even know what we were talking about in that room. Darren Rovell, the uh, the sports betting guy in the sport, he's just huge. Had a full blown conversation with him on Clubhouse. Um, Baron Davis, the 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 tech guru and former NBA player, like Clubhouse is an interesting app where you can make a lot of high quality uh, connections um, that can you know off of the app turn into something special. Um, it's I don't know where it'll go. It's, you know, it's iPhone only, invite only right now, um, which is why the the connections are so high quality. Um, but I like it, you know, where I spend my attention when it comes to platforms, I spend 90% of my attention is on LinkedIn, TikTok and Clubhouse, 10% is on the other platforms. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you have a good grasp on social media and trying getting following and, you know, doing stuff with that following. And so much so that you've actually created a perspective global media. That's like, you know, your little company that you're starting up right now. Talk to me on that. What was like the ideas behind that? Why'd you start that? I started perspective back in October of 2019. Uh, when I took content serious myself, I realized I was really good at it. And I had colleagues asking for help and I decided I could provide a service uh, there. Uh, over the years, we've made pivots from doing, you know, high-level strategy and post-production of content for small businesses and brands to doing podcast production work for different uh, entrepreneurs, financial advisors, um, and businesses. And our last most recent pivot, which I think will be here for a while, is doing TikTok consulting. Um, I love the TikTok consulting space because when I was doing podcast production, felt that I was an HR rep and had to micromanage the stages of a podcast essentially being post-produced, which I didn't feel like I was on fire doing that. Uh, but working with different brands, coming up with creative ideas uh, for their TikTok strategy is the most exciting thing I do on a daily basis. What do you take from what you've learned in the NFL to your um, professional life outside with your business? Um. I think it's probably more or less of understanding that shit's not fair. Most people don't understand that shit's not fair because they've never been punched in their mouth before. And they don't understand, you know, in, in a regular everyday world, if the person you were competing, whether it was for a job or for a promotion or something of that sort, if that person was going out and getting blackout drunk every night, stumbling into the facility, staying in the sauna for hours to, to get the alcohol out of their bloodstream and then bawling out and taking your job and position, most people would cry about that. Do you know what I mean? And then probably snitch and like tell the boss, uh -huh. something of that sort. Whereas like the NFL, like it's, it's however you perform on Sunday. It doesn't matter what the hell you did all week. Doesn't matter anything. Doesn't doesn't matter anything. How are you going to perform? Can you play? Have you and, seen that when you were in the league? Did you ever see people kind of come in messed up, or are they all pretty straightforward? One hundred percent. I mean, you see that in every profession. 
um, but 150%. Um, and being able to be okay with that, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. and just run your race and understand that it's an abundant world, understand if you're just in a competition with yourself and not anyone else, that allows you to stay level-headed. Yeah, I mean, just to wrap up here, if there's one piece of advice you had to give someone that was just starting on TikTok today or any social media for that matter, uh, they, you know, starting today and they wanted to grow a following and grow their own following, what would be one piece of advice you would give them? Their objective is to grow a following or to make money? Grow a following. Grow a following is to build a community. Treat your, like, if I told you you could give a state of the union of boston sports in front of 50 people they would they're going to show up to your front front yard and you would come out of your window balcony and give your thesis on whatever that was if i told you they're going to show up at eight o'clock tonight like you'd be shitting your pants you'd be super excited you'd be super hyped you'd record it all that type of stuff there's no difference than 50 people watching your tiktok video but most people get too wrapped up in the vanity metrics of only 50 people saw my video i'm going to delete it or you know only 5,000 people that's how i feel only 5,000 people watch my video like i'm not going to delete it but like the simple fact that 50 people give a shit about what you have to say be grateful for that uh -huh. and then on the back end actually love and continue to groom your community meaning respond to comments meaning answer dms Meaning when someone wants you to come on their podcast, come on their podcast. Um, Cause it's like, you know, you can't like people want, people have 10 followers and are looking to get to 10,000 followers, but treat their 10 followers like shit. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah, yeah. So if you want to get to 10,000 followers, start caring about the ones you have in order to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. That's what's gonna, that's how you create evangelists. That's how you create people who actually want to rave about who you are as a person. Like I was responding to comments when I had 55 followers, when I had 22,000 followers, when I had 100,000 followers, and now when I have 200 and however many and plus verified and all that type of stuff. Like be a human at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, uh, you know, powerful because, you know, social media can be so toxic nowadays. I mean, I'm sure you see it all the time in your, uh, you know, your comment sections of so much, so many people can be so toxic. So to see someone like yourself, who seems like, you know, have a good grasp on social media, preaching almost sense of, you know, communicating with your fan base uh, and, you know, not focusing so much on the huge numbers and just take it step by step is, you know, very refreshing. Well, one, um, one more question before, before we let you go here. Um, I just want to know what, was your favorite locker room moment in the league? Favorite locker room moment. Favorite in terms of just like, just a, like favorite, like gleeful joy or favorite, like, like first thing that just comes to my mind now that you said that favorite, like go deeper. What do you mean? So just like something, I just kind of like an insight in the locker room, something that you're, oh, you'll always remember either something funny, something serious. I think something, it's kind of, it's just like a random story, but it's kind of funny. Um, it's funny because it has to do with Bruce Arians who just won a Super Bowl. It was not even that funny, not, not even like, long story short, we played the Vikings and we, uh, back when they had Corderell Patterson um, and I think it was the third quarter, he ran back a kick 
like uh, uh like a kick return touchdown and like i chased his ass all the way to the end zone so then after that where i'm on i'm in on kick return so then after doing kick return i'm in on that next drive after being in on the next drive i'm in on punt and after punting it vikings went three and out and i'm in on punt return and like it wore me out like the rest of the game like i was i was done done and we lost that game but i remember going back in the locker room and bruce arians is talking steve kime the gm is talking mike bidwell the president is talking the owner is talking and like i'm leaning on my buddy jermaine gresham and i'm like yo i've because i've never thrown out like from a workout before mm-hmm. I, don't, I never knew what that feeling like actually was like and I start like spinning, like, I'm like, I see like 10 of everybody. And I'm like leaning, I'm like, yo, Gresh, like, I think I might pass out, but I don't want this to happen. Well, Cause it's when it, when those, when those people are talking, like you can hear a pin drop in the room. Yep. I'm like, yo, like, just hold me up. Cause I think I'm about to, I'm literally think I'm about to faint or pass out. Like, I don't know what's I'm having. A, I'm having an out of body experience right now. And as soon as they get done talking, I just go to the bathroom. Cause I don't know if I'm about to shit myself I'm about, I have no idea what's about to happen to me. And I just start yeah. barfing like everywhere. <laughs> oh. like, so loud. And like, I come back out. Everybody's like, yo, you all right? I'm like, I like a million bucks right now. I don't, I don't know what that into me. Um, but that, as soon as you said that, that's the first story that, that, that stood out. That was a, Thank- a crazy moment. Thanks for sharing that. No yeah, doubt. That's definitely, uh, sometimes we ask that we get someone different. That was definitely the favorite one I've heard, your favorite response I've heard. <laughs> that was uh, very, very unique. I, that was really good. Thank you. All right, guys, that has been another episode of Football on the Barbie. Hakeem, thank you so, mu- so much for coming on this podcast. Appreciate you guys. Really enjoyed the conversation.